This episode of The Florida Files contains language that some listeners may find offensive. The not knowing has been a torture, but uh, that journey's over. Thank you, Chief. Thank you for having the guts to do this. Chief Wagner made the decision to end our pain. We believed for years that Otis Otis Tool killed Adam. On December 12, 2008, John Irvay Walsh, along with their three children, Megan, Callahan, and Hayden, all born after their brother Adam was murdered 27 years before, gather at the Hollywood Police Department for a national press conference. Hollywood Police Chief Chad Wagner announces the Adam Walsh abduction and killing case is officially closed. Consistent with the opinions of investigators, past and present, I agree with the ultimate conclusion of this independent investigation that Otis Toole was the perpetrator of this crime. With the acknowledgement that our investigation placed Otis Toole in Hollywood, Florida, at or near the time of Adam's abduction, along with the multiple confessions countered by several subsequent recantations, our agency has devoted an inordinate amount of time seeking leads to other potential perpetrators rather than emphasizing Otis Toole as our primary suspect. One common denominator remains following an additional 12 years of investigating leads and interviewing potential witnesses after the court ordered disclosure of the investigative files that the pedophile and convicted murderer, Otis Toole, has continued to be our only real suspect. Local 10 and Local10.com present the Florida Files. I'm Michelle Solomon, and this is the story of the disappearance of Adam Walsh. Today we know. The answer to the question that's haunted John and Reve Walsh for so long comes following an extensive review of three decades of evidence by Hollywood Police Chief Chad Wagner, who said all fingers point to Otis Toole, a drifter from Jacksonville and convicted serial killer. Listening to the words that came off of Chief Wagner's lips just penetrate my soul. Two weeks after Adam was snatched from the Sears Mall, his severed head was discovered in a canal west of Vero Beach. Detectives never found his body or his killer, but 15 years after his disappearance, Toole told a fellow death row inmate that he was responsible. There were holes in his story. He recanted twice, but Wagner says the circumstantial evidence against him is overwhelming. The announcement was followed by a humble apology to the Walshes, who for years were critical of detectives for misplacing evidence and overlooking important leads. Wagner admits the case should have been presented to the state attorney's office long before Toole died in prison back in 1996. They say the closing of their case is a reaffirmation of their efforts to see that their son didn't die in vain. Today, the case is closed, and John Walsh is certain Otis Toole is the killer of his son. He talks to the Florida Files about the almost three decades of what he calls torture and misery for his family because of police missteps and the roadblocks in trying to get justice for his son. 
You're convinced that that he was he, everything that they said is where he was, what he did, the whole story. You know, it, nobody's got it right. Nobody has got it right. You won't get it right either. Otis Tool didn't recant his story. He had a dirtbag defense attorney who got paid by the state, and he discounted. He's the one who said that Otis Tool recanted his story. He, he, you know, he played the game. He and Henry Lee Lucas would tell cops, I killed this person when they didn't. To get out of jail, if you're locked up in a prison, have you ever been in a prison, done any stories about prisons? Yes. So it's a horrible place to be. So you tell a dumb, not naive cop, I'll clear your case. If you buy me a pizza, come and get me. Fly me to Armpit, Oklahoma. Get me a Burger King. Big deal. And I'll talk to you as much as I want. Otherwise, he's in jail hoping that other prisoners won't shank him for being a pedophile. That's what Lucas, that's what Tool learned from Lucas. Do you have children? I don't, no. That'll change your whole life. People, reporters like you followed me around for years. Said, why are you so driven? I said, you know, until you have a child, it's a love that you can't explain to anyone. It's not like the death of a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a lover, a husband, whatever the situation. It's a gut-tearing love of a little person that, and, and reporters will, and I've had reporters that I've trained, tons of reporters, as field reporters, and they'll say, you know, I got married and I had that little boy or that little girl and I go in and kiss them every night and now I understand why you're so driven, how much you love, truly love children, because it is it is unbearable to lose a child, especially in the horrible way that we lost our son to a worthless piece of shit dirtbag. Thousands of pages of the case were released to the media in 1996 after a contentious court battle in Broward County. John Walsh says it only served to be another bump in the rocky road for the Walshes. In 96, when, when, all, when those newspapers asked to have all those files open, that was a, a, a big, uh, I did, did, did that cause problems? Because did that hold up the oddest tool? No, because the Hollywood attorney told us that you cannot open up a capital file. They tell a, a couple, a mother and father, that you'll never get justice for Adam if they open the files. He's protecting the Hollywood PD. He has us convinced that once the files are open, it's public domain, and anything in those files will never be used when they indict Otis Tool. They'll never be able to use it to convict him. If I knew what I knew now, if I knew so much about the bullshit criminal injustice system, and I'm the guy that named it the criminal injustice system, but they convinced us, the city attorney, that this would be the end of our getting justice for Otis Tool. And that's why 27 years later, I went to Chad Wagner, said, Reve's urging, she's the one who spurred the whole thing. She's the one who said, we've got to know. You know, John, you're out saving kids everywhere, you're catching bad guys, you're changing laws everywhere, but we need to know. I went down and spent a fortune bringing lawyers to the Hollywood PD and the dysfunctional idiot detectives who were in charge of it, who lost pieces of evidence. When they confiscated Tool's car, 
there was a blood-soaked carpet in the back that I'm sure Joe told you that when he when he finally Hollywood Police never ever developed the pictures that were at the DA's office with Adam's face imprinted in the blood on the back of that carpet. Hollywood never told us they lost the carpet that they, there was no DNA back then. They sent it to different labs, and when Hoffman or whoever did lost it, they never told us. How could they do that? And then they lost the car. How do you lose the car of the main suspect? If somebody auctioned it off somewhere. Because I believe that first I started out in a terrible, terrible adversarial position with the FBI when they refused to ad enter Adam's case because they said, oh, that was our policy in 1981. We go after mafia and white collar crime. And I said, these cops, although some of them are well intended, they don't have a clue. And I said, you're not even looking. You don't even have a search party here. You don't have anybody looking in the canals in case he fell in it. And in this bullshit, he's, he do, he's never walked anywhere. You're saying he might have walked out of that mall somewhere. He's six years old. He's never, my, my wife picked him up from private school, drived him every single day. Wouldn't let him ride his bike in the street. But nobody would help me. Nobody would let us look at the files. The DA wasn't for it until I ran into Chad Wagner. And I went down to see Chad Wagner with Joe Matthews. And I said to Chad Wagner, I said, you know what? You're my last hope. My wife and I need to know if Otis Tool killed Adam before we go to our grade. I said, I want you to open the files. I've got two guys, Joe Matthews and Kelly Hancock, probably the best DA in the history of Broward County, almost undefeated, who want to look at this pro bono. They're not going to sell it to the National Enquirer. They want to see what happened in Adam's case. And he goes, I said, your city attorney will never agree to it. Nobody wants to open up the mistakes. Nobody wants to have a big, white-hot spotlight to look at the Hollywood TV in 1981 and the subsequent stupid mistakes they made. And he goes, I'll do it. I'll open those files. Mistakes here, they found the, they found the security guard. They did in two months what the Hollywood PD hadn't done in 27 years. And he said, we owe it to you. We owe it to open up those files. And I said, I cannot thank you enough. That put the end to that. That day, I, I never thought I would be that emotional because I, I, I know people say, oh, you're, you're tough, you're rough. I'm a human being. And that little boy was the light of our lives. He was the most beautiful little boy. He was the kindest, sweetest little kid. And murder, he was decapitated. Who decapitates children? Otis Tool got lucky because Adam was ordered out of the store. I hope you cover that. We never knew. Goddamn Sears and Roebuck's head of security when that 17-year-old, and it, Joe Matthews is the one who found her, and, and uh, the DA's office found this girl who said, I became an emergency room nurse because I've had nothing but guilt for ordering Adam out of the store. Seeing him there with the two Argentine white boys, playing the video game with the two black boys and ordering the white boys out that door, putting him out on the street and the head of security, although never proven it, and she said it, told me not to tell the cops that I ordered Adam Walsh out of the store. So Rebe had nowhere, no basis to look for Adam. 17 year old girl, she said I had an abortion two days before I was on drugs, that I didn't know what I was doing and I ordered those boys out and I never told anybody because they told me not to.
how how good is how how how's that to start the story when you're looking for your missing child? And Otis Poo was a surfer. He liked to surf toy departments looking for children, and it was his luckiest day. And that girl to this day says she regrets it and has terrible guilt and thinks about Adam all the time, ordering a beautiful little boy out there, assuming he was with those two other white boys. Really sucks. I sincerely hope that John and Rebay Walsh realize some closure with this decision. Thank you, that's my statement. Today, the Walsh family, investigators, and law enforcement are satisfied with the closing of the case. That it was Otis Toole that took Adam from outside of the Sears store, began to drive north in a 1971 white Cadillac to take the boy to Jacksonville and make him his own, but then ended up killing the boy instead. Yet there are others that doggedly continue to this day to prove that someone else was responsible for Adam Walsh's death. Willis Morgan was at the Radio Shack, not far from the Sears store in the Hollywood Mall, the same day Adam was abducted on July 27, 1981. He's sure he saw the man who took the six-year-old that day, and he says it wasn't Otis Toole. And how many years have you been devoted to this now? Well, ever since it happened. 37. July will be July 27, When did the frustration really start? Frustration started when Jeffrey Dahmer was captured. And I saw a little mugshot and a story about this guy that was captured for doing some horrific things up in Milwaukee. And as soon as I saw that mugshot, I knew right away. Because that, that face was seared into my brain ever since July uh, 27th, 1981. So I, while I was in Radio Shack, this young, disheveled man came in and started talking to me. My thinking was he was lonely and just wanted someone to talk to at the time. I didn't, at first I thought it was just some nut job. I didn't realize, but it progressively got more and more dangerous as I didn't speak to him, because I didn't answer him. It was a one-way conversation. <laughs> Because you just thought he was weird? Well, no, I thought once you say something, it initiates more conversation. Oh. I didn't want a conversation with this guy. I'm thinking, you don't say nothing, he'll just go away. But he didn't go away. He came right up to me, and he kept trying to initiate conversation. What do you want to talk about? The weather. I guess that's the only way he knew how to start a conversation. Yeah. You know. I wonder what, we, what was he after? What did he... I, just, well, just you know, in hindsight, it's easy to put it together. Back then, like I said, I was thinking it was a nut job that was lonely and wanted someone to talk to. But in hindsight, obviously, now I know what he was after. He, he wanted my friendship to go somewhere with him or something. Oh, okay. Probably back to his hotel room. He did have a hotel room at that time. So he's trying to pick you up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That encounter was so intense, so intense that I just knew somebody was going to be in trouble. Believe me. And I was just wondering what their reaction was going to be with him coming up to them the way he did me. So I went out to the Radio Shack entrance, the hallway entrance, just to look down the hallway to see what he was doing. Because just then he turned to the right into Sears. He went actually into Sears. So I went to the point where he turned and I was watching him walk all the way to the far west side of Sears. And then he turned right toward the toy department. I went home and I tried to forget about that crazy guy in the mall but that evening I was making a sandwich in the kitchen and I had the TV turn on to one of the new local news stations it might have been your station I don't remember 
I heard on the news, and I heard them say Hollywood Mall. I'm going, Hollywood Mall, wow, that's right down the street here. Then I heard Sears, and I'm going, wow, I was there. Then I heard abduction. Oh my God, that guy, that guy did it. He actually did it. Then they said toy department, they said the time. It was all right. I knew it was that guy. There was absolutely no question. It was that guy. I just did you know. hear that it was a, a child? Because you yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So you knew that. And they mentioned the name, but the name didn't mean anything to me. But anyway, I never saw the abduction. But I knew it was that guy. I came right here to this police department, the Hollywood Police Department, and I tried to tell them my story, and they just... I literally walked back out of there by shaking my head, feeling like a jerk for wasting my time walking in there. Because he didn't want to hear anything I had to say. All he wanted was a tag number and the vehicle mate, you know, and, and a description of the vehicle. And I, I didn't have any of that. You know, I told him this, I ne this never happened outside the mall. It was all, my total encounter was inside the mall. Jack Hoffman dismissed it back in 81. The reason being, he was so focused on John Walsh's house guest. And as well, two years later, they went after Otis Tool, you know, and they spent so much time chasing all the, all the wrong people now that witnesses are coming forward after Jeffrey Dahmer was captured, because I'm not the only one, saying this is the guy, they're dismissing everybody. So have you ever talked to John Walsh? No, but my attorney sent him a copy of my book, but he never responds. Morgan says there are other witnesses who saw the same man he did. For a book he's written about his experience, He's tracked down Mia Cockerman-Taylor, who says she and her brother saw Dahmer at the store the day before and the day Adam disappeared. Back in, I think it was like 2013, maybe even 2014, I got a call out of the blue um, from someone actually that Willis was working with. And they had, you know, asked me if I was the same Mia who had a brother named Joel and who was there that day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I was. And um, they asked me to please take a look at a, a couple of pictures to see if I recognized the man who um, I saw that day in, you know, 1981. And so I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. So they emailed me, you know, an array of pictures. And, um, you know, I chose the person that, you know, I recall seeing that day. And um, they asked me, are you absolutely sure? I'm like, yeah, yeah that's the guy, the scruffiness. And then he had a smell like of stale alcohol on his breath because he was that close, you know, talking to my brother and stuff, um, which was the day before Adam was kidnapped. And, um, you know, I explained to them why, you know, I had that memory and everything and that that was definitely the person that I saw that day. And then they told me, you know, they revealed to me who that particular picture was. And, you know, I was in disbelief. And so, you know, it took some time for them to convince me that that's who it was because I had no idea at that time that that's whose photo I'd selected. Yep. And who was it? It was, it was um, a picture of Jeffrey Dahmer when he was much younger, much heavier. But there wasn't and any police report made? Or no. Or really contact I, Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. My mom passed away um, in 95. I know she never saw that news you know, program where he was on there because she saw the man too. Um, but... She was never able to identify him because no one knew who he was, and she passed away prior to that. Dahmer comes into the public spotlight in 1991 when it's discovered he's been killing and dismembering victims and saving and storing their body parts. 
Video is televised around the world of crews in biohazard protection suits taking evidence out of his Milwaukee apartment. And his connection to South Florida also becomes suspect. The latest lead involves the suspect at the center of more than a dozen gruesome mutilation killings in Milwaukee, Jeffrey Dahmer. A convicted pedophile, Dahmer lived for a time in Miami Beach, the year Walsh was killed. Pictures of children have reportedly been found in his apartment. We're asking Milwaukee detectives to question Dahmer about the Walsh case. Um, I'm sure it'll be up to them if and when they, they do it. But Hollywood police caution that Dahmer presents just one in more than hundreds of leads over the years and only a circumstantial one at that. At this point, Hollywood detectives say they won't head out to Milwaukee unless they get an indication that Dahmer is connected to the Walsh case. At this point, they don't expect to get any information until next week at the earliest. In Hollywood, I'm Bertha Kumsege, Channel 10, Eyewitness News. In August 1992, Detective Jack Hoffman visits Dahmer in jail. In police records, pages 2382 to 2422, there's file number 13, a statement dated August 13, 1992. Detective Jack Hoffman is at the Columbia Correctional Facility in Wisconsin to interview Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer. Hoffman says, as I told you earlier, Jeffrey, my main purpose of coming up here is to speak to you about your activities upon your arrival in South Florida. Dahmer talks about sleeping on the beach and getting a job at a place called Sunshine Subs. Hoffman asks Dahmer if he ever went up to the Hollywood Mall. Hoffman mentions a man at the Hollywood Mall, a witness, who says he saw someone that fit Dahmer's description and that man was wearing fatigues. Dahmer tells Hoffman stories about how he killed and saved body parts of his victims. At the end of the interview, Hoffman tells Dahmer again, Just to reiterate, my main purpose of coming here for you is the investigation of Adam Walsh, and you go on record to say that you had nothing to do with it. Dahmer says, Nothing to do with it. I heard it on the news, but I had nothing to do with it. No. True crime author Arthur J. Harris, based in Florida, has written two books on the disappearance of Adam and Dahmer's connection to South Florida. He believes that by the police focusing so much on Tool, that they miss leads that would have pointed directly to Dahmer. When I review the file, the police file, and find the 40-page interview that, that Dahmer had done with the detective, the original detective on the case, Jack Hoffman, and he gives the name of the place that he had worked, and it was called Sunshine Subs. I go downtown to the Miami-Dade Library and look up the 1981 phone, the microfiche, to find you now a phone listing. And there it is. You now, here's the number, 117040 Collins Avenue, Sunshine Subs, pizza. So now I've got it confirmed. And then I go over to public records in Dade County and look up in the indexes, anything at all with sunshine subs. So you get the police report, and you, got, you hit the jackpot, you get a bingo. 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 So, so in this police report, there's, we've got the name of the deceased. He's found, just like Ken Halper told me, 
by the dumpster, Jeff had told him that, you know, I'm, I've been stepping over this guy, you know, you know, when I'm taking out the garbage, you know, by the dumpster, you know, for the past couple of days. Calls the police, they come out, they do a report, and they, and Jeff gives some background about the guy. He was an old homeless man, he said, you know, you know, vagrant, and knew his, you know, knew his name, saw enough of his name, and said, yeah, he hadn't been feeling well, and he was sleeping in the, this, there's an electric rooms. So the police report says, according to Mr. Jeffrey Dahmer, like, oh, so this is the first evidentiary proof that anybody's had that Jeff Dahmer had been in Miami, no, at all. And I found a police report from Metro Dade, it was a public safety division, Dade County. No, that's what it was called in 81. And, and I have, according to Mr. Jeffrey Dahmer, and the date is 20 days before Adam Walsh disappears. Now, nobody knows in 1981 who the hell Jeff Dahmer is. There were not just two witnesses. There were six total police witnesses came to police who they had dismissed, who when I talked to them, and showed them Otis Tools pictures. Is this the guy you saw at the mall? Nah, that's not the guy. How about this guy? Oh yeah, that's the guy, that's the guy we know. Four of them were absolutely certain, the other two were like, I didn't get that great of a look, but uh, this, this guy, this, looking at this picture, one of them said, gives me shivers. Let Who me ask you, have you ever talked, have you, has John Walsh ever talked to you? Have you ever talked to him? No. He won't talk to you? I have attempted and been rebuffed. That's what it is, okay? You know, they don't want to talk to me. That's what it is. So, you know, I've just left that alone. But John Walsh did have a comment for the Florida Files. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. And the Dahmer stuff is just bullshit. I tell you, and you'll never talk to me again if you leave, spend much time on that because it's not, it's a lie. It's, it's not... It's not a fact. I mean, it's, it's yes, you can be all the reporter and you want to cover all sides of it. The public needs to know. But when it's a perpetration, of, it's just a tabloid grab at some money. They wrote a book about at, at, at the at the expense of a little six year old boy and through it through an investigation. Off course, I stuck by take the high road, try not to hurt victims, exploit victims because the media knows all the rules and the victims don't know any of the rules. So they can shove a mic in front of your face as you're crying and dying in broken heart and ask you some really stupid questions. There's no fairness about it. I explored the Dahmer angle. I actually got a letter from the DA's office saying they wouldn't bring Dahmer back to a death penalty state if he agreed to talk to cops. And the two FBI agents that interviewed him said, not him, no shape or form. Former Milwaukee Journal reporter Ann E. Schwartz, who went on to work for the Wisconsin Department of Justice, was the first to report the story of serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer in 1991. And she wrote a book about the man dubbed the Milwaukee Cannibal. She and her reporting team at the journal were nominated for a Pulitzer Prize for their work. I have two people that I've interviewed that uh, one is a witness, one has written two books. 
Phyllis mm. uh, Morgan says he was at the Radio Shack mm-hmm. um, and saw who he believes was Jeffrey Dahmer walk towards the Sears store. And then Art Harris has done, you know, taken all those documents that I have from from mm-hmm. least, and he says he's combed them, and that there were things we all know that in the Adam Walsh case there were things that were missed. That was part of even Mark Smith and Joe Matthews tell me that the investigation just, you know, it was a different time, it was all this stuff. But my two witnesses, or my one witness and my book writer, say that they don't feel that the Dahmer link was investigated enough. You know, Michelle, it's, it's, not, it's not unusual when there's a very high-profile serial killer case that's announced in the news uh, nationwide, worldwide, that people try to find the connection to something else. That if this person has committed this many crimes, if this person has killed 17 men and boys, then of course we have to see who else he might have killed in a very high profile case that's still out there. And sometimes you hear people, you know, who want to clear everything from the Lindbergh baby case to, you know, of course to, to Adam Walsh. Um, so, Jeffrey Dahmer was was attracted to every single one of his victims, uh, and I am going by his confession and also the conversations that he had with uh, some of the best uh, forensic psychiatrists in the country that he that he killed. He never had to kidnap them. He lured them back to his apartment or lured them back to his home or to his grandmother's house. Uh, everything that was alleged to have happened in the Walsh case was completely outside of Dahmer's profile. He was a young boy. Uh, he was uh, Caucasian. Uh, he was kidnapped from a, from a store. Dahmer did not do any of those things. And again, we're going by his confession, but there, there's a reason that I believe the confession of Jeffrey Dahmer. And that's because he was, again, according to the, the forensic psychiatrist, he was ready to confess. He was ready to confess to everything, and he was ready to unburden himself from everything. He confessed to murdering Stephen Hicks in Ohio in 1978 when that state still had the death penalty. He could have, he absolutely uh, could have left that out. There were murders that Jeffrey Dahmer confessed to that we would have never known about. But for his confession, I remember well, I when the, I remember when the police from from Hollywood, Florida, came up to Milwaukee, uh, and uh, and and were trying to see whether or not there was a there was any kind of a connection, and Dahmer was adamant that there was no connection to the Adam Walsh murder. Art Harris had produced this thing for me, this police report that I have about this gentleman that was deceased at a dumpster behind the sub shop. And when the police came out to interview whoever had been in that sub shop that may have known something about it, the investigator has the name as the witness that was one of the people they spoke to as a Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm -hmm. And Art and other folks that are tying Jeffrey Dahmer's time in 1981 at the Sunshine Subs in Sunny Isle, days after Adam disappeared, there is some police report out there where Jeffrey Dahmer is talking about a gentleman, a dead man that's found at a dumpster. Coincidence, perhaps, 
Mm-hmm. Well, remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about a, a serial killer who has rituals and who keeps trophies. And one of the things that Jeffrey Dahmer did after he killed his victims was to save a part of them. Now, he believed that he was, uh, that he was, uh, kind of keeping them close to him when he saved maybe a skull or he would save something else. The idea of, of, of killing someone simply to, to kill them again, goes against what Dahmer has confessed and what is believed to be the ritual nature in which he killed people. So uh, he, what, what the, the common theme really is that Dahmer was attracted to these men, invited them back to his apartment or to his grandmother's home or to wherever to have sex with him. Eventually, they would want to leave, and he did not want them to leave. Every single lead that was possible uh, having to do with Jeffrey Dahmer's connection to anything. And I understand the, the rationale for it, as do the Milwaukee police uh, officers who did all this investigation. But the, the conclusion that they came to here is that Jeffrey Dahmer had no involvement whatsoever in the Adam Walsh case, and I haven't seen any evidence that shows me differently. Um, but there are other people out there that, that always have these conjectures, or these theories. Um, and I, I, I just, you know, I, I'm an objective reporter, so I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't put myself in any way of where it is. But I'm just curious about that because there's, there is this closure that was had in 2008, but then there are other people that surmise different things, and I don't. Right. I don't and, the new chief of police that came into Hollywood Police Department did did a great thing. He he held a press conference, invited my family in the press, and said, you know, mistakes were made in the past. Uh, a former police chief there um, didn't want to admit the mistakes that he had made in the case. But today, unequivocally, without a doubt, we would convict Otisdool uh, for the murder and kidnapping of Adam Walsh. Since the case was closed in 2008, the Walshes have tried to get on with their lives. As much as can be expected, Reve Walsh tells ABC's Dan Harris in a 2016 interview. When all this was going on, and, and um, I just thought to myself, God, you know, I, I can't wait, you know, till it's 20 years or 25 years from now. You know, I don't care about getting old. I just want this experience in my life to be that far away from me because I thought it would be, you know, different, but it's, it's really not. John and Reve are still married. Callahan tells me that John spends his time playing polo, a Walsh family tradition, with his youngest son, Hayden, and loves being a grandfather. Reve remains active in her work with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And they, you know, they've, they've had, um, you know, issues in the past and, and have thankfully gotten over them and, and have stayed together, you know, um, 
I think it was, I don't know the, the official stat, but it's something crazy like, you know, 90% of couples who have a missing child uh, divorce within the first year and, and don't stay together. And so it's a real testament that my parents have uh, stayed together this long. I think um, the birth of my sister after Adam's abduction um, was one of the main reasons my parents did stay together. They had this beautiful new baby girl um, that, that they needed to take care of and, and, and bring into this world. And uh, I think she might be might have been the saving grace, actually. And John Walsh is getting ready to open another chapter in his TV career. I heard you're going to be doing a new show on Discovery ID. I'm coming out of retirement. The FBI and the marshals have been driving me crazy. They said, John, think about it. You caught 1,422 guys that nobody could catch. You caught 17 off the FBI's 10 most wanted. You were never a cop. You recovered 61 stranger abducted missing children. We need you to come out. There are so many creeps out there. I've got two beautiful new grandchildren that I love and worship and spend time with them. And and I'm old and I, I, you know, I, I just... But I'm coming back because I, there are so many horrible guys and there's so many cases out there that are unsolved. There are so there is so much pain in this country. I, and I and I don't want to sound like I'm trying to create some paranoia. America is so much worse and so much more violent than when I started back in 1987. And I just was hoping that I could catch a couple of pedophiles. The people have supported me. They've helped me pass bills. I've got the Adam Walsh Act, the Missing Children's Bill, the creation of the National Center. All were because of the public. All the successes of America's Most Wanted were because of the public. Because people said, we're sick of it. We want to see victims get justice. We want to see these dirtbags off the street. And we know these laws need to be passed. And that's Adam's legacy, that the public, the public has been so incredibly supportive of Revae and I, and that somehow, with all these challenges, we stayed together. And I, you know, I can't ever put myself in somebody else's shoes, but... I would think, you know, here's a brother who you never met. Your parents mm-hmm. are, are for, for I, like, you know, probably I, 20 years of your of your growing up still really don't have a closure on the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wondered what that was like. Well, again, you're right. I, I, we, I grew up with this tragedy, and, and of course it wasn't easy, but we celebrated Adam's life. Um, you know, there wasn't a moment that I can recall where my parents just sat me down and told me about Adam. I always knew I had this brother. We celebrated his birthday. Uh, we we mourned the anniversary of his disappearance. I knew his favorite sports and, and his favorite movies, um, baseball and Star Wars. Um, I, I grew up with my parents telling me we need to make sure that Adam didn't die in vain, and if his song is to continue, then we must do the singing. is centered around the Hollywood Mall. But we feel at that point that uh, little Adam was probably searching for his mother. Some of the volunteers are tired, few are discouraged, but they say their search will continue through the night. Others took off in four-wheel drive vehicles. 
The ride is bumpy and the terrain is rough. Searchers are panning through a wooded section, trying to cover more ground than those on foot. Over the years, police have ruled out many suspects, among them two family friends and serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. At a Friday night news conference, police said Tool has confessed to 35 to 50 other murders. The not knowing is almost as bad as the murder, but today's a good day. Today's a wonderful day. We can end this, this chapter of our lives. Do you wish all this Tool the life today? I'm not about revenge. We never have been. I don't believe in vigilantism. I believe wherever he is, he is paying and being held accountable for his actions. Who could kill a six-year-old boy? But I've been involved in thousands of cases since then. I believe that Otis Tool is probably getting what he deserves somewhere. Adam Walsh was born on November 14, 1974, disappeared on July 27, 1981. Today, he would be 43 years old. When I first began looking at this case to profile on the Florida Files, I didn't know so many twists and turns existed, and the magnitude of this story. While podcasts afford a luxury of time that television stories do not, there are still constraints in providing each and every detail of a case like the disappearance of Adam Walsh. So I tried to make sense of it, step by step, by talking to some of the people who lived it, who had been part of it in one way or another, either close to the story or by some sixth degree of separation. Some people wanted to talk about what happened then, and others, like former Hollywood police chief Chad Wagner, said he really didn't have anything new to add to the story. He told me everything he had to say was revealed at that press conference back in 2008. Through it all, one truth remains, that what happened almost 40 years ago, when a little boy vanished after a trip to the mall with his mother, remains one of Florida's most perplexing mysteries. And no doubt, it forever will. Michelle Solomon for the next edition of The Florida Files as I go step-by-step through another high-profile case that grips South Florida. Coming soon. Are you a fan of The Florida Files? Please leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere that you get your favorite podcast. Get more of the story through archive videos and online extras on the Florida Files page at local10.com. <laughs>